Mark 1, 9 through 15, the baptism and testing of Jesus. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. At once the spirit sent him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. You may be seated. Um, this week we have a special guest. As you know, we are Mission Church, right? Dongamsa Mission Church. And I remember many years ago, while I was, I was in mission field, I visited one church and I shared the message and one of the members came up to me after the message and said, i never seen mission in my life. You're the first one. I was like, Really, you know, uh, now, you know, we have many missionaries visiting our church. You guys have been in mission fairs and you met many missionaries and uh, praise God for that. I mean, we have missionaries nearby and missionaries visiting us. And uh, speaker today, he is serving the Lord in Cambodia. He's Korean American, serving the Lord in Cambodia and so Happy to have him. You know, we had a local mission conference last week, and one of our elders, Elder Chen was one of the speakers, main speaker, and he was speaker as well, and he came to share the message with us. Would you welcome uh, Pastor and Missionary Gil. Thank you. Yes, um, yeah, I came about a week ago uh, to, to attend the, the global mission conference here in this, in this room. I just want to say something about somebody who talked to me. It's just like he was talking, and then I felt a little bit strange because he was talking something that I don't know, but he talked to me as if he knows me. And then like, oh. And then he just realized, oh, you're not Pastor Ken. <laughs> Do I kind of resemble Pastor Ken? Oh, wow. When you resemble somebody, that means you get the benefit of kind of halo effect. Or you, you get a pressure that I live up to his reputation. I don't know which case. But um, yeah, even today, I, I attended the, uh, the Korean service just to, to see what it's like here. Um, and then after that, I was just walking there. And then there's that uh, where the babies are. That one of the, the, the ladies, the Hispanic ladies, was just waving her hand. And then I realized that she's thinking also, I'm the pastor can too. Either. <laughs> yeah, we actually quite alike in terms of we are about the same age. Um, similar height, and uh, both uh, Korean-American, 1.5, meaning we came to the States when we were a teenage or, you know, that uh, year. Um, just tell you a little bit about my background. Um, so my family moved here over 30 years ago, just to give you a little bit of idea how old I am. Um, so we moved, we landed here, Southern California. Um, I was not a believer. Uh, that I, I met the Christ, one of the immigrant churches here in uh, Southern California. And then my uh, faith journey began, and then I attended, um, eventually I attended a Bible college here called Biola, and then God called me to ministry. So I decided to go to a seminary in uh, Michigan called Calvin Seminary, or some of you went to undergraduate. And that's where I met my wife. Uh, she's from uh, Canada. Uh, so we mar- married right before graduating our seminary. So my family moved 
she and I, Mary and then we moved immediately uh, to West Africa, the country called Nigeria. So we spent six years there. During that time, our three children, our, chi- our three children were born. But um, the situation got really heated there, so we had to leave. So we got evacuated. So we came back. So we spent four years in um, Northern California, Silicon Valley, as a pastor of EM Church. And then God said, time's up. Time to go back to the, your first love, the first uh, charge to, to be overseas. So, yeah, that's the 10 years ago. So my family moved uh, to Ke- uh, Cambodia uh, 10 years ago. And then now our children are uh, two sons are at actually Calvin College right now, a freshman and um, sophomore. And our youngest daughter is um, junior in high school in Phnom Penh, Cambodia. Um, yeah, that's about me. Um, so I want to get to know you, but you are too many. So, uh, well, we'll see how it goes after service. If you want to talk to me more about anything, yeah, I'll be around. Let's pray once again. Lord, we thank you so much for gathering us here for one main purpose, to worship you and to, to be reminded of who you are and what you have done for us. We are, Lord, uh, forever grateful for who you are and what you have done through Christ, Lord. Lord, also we want to praise you and we want to listen to you. So speak to us through your words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Are you sensitive to the change of seasons? Living in California, I know, about 10 years ago, I live in 10 years ago, no, more than 10 years ago, but live here 10 years, so I need what, what it's like in California. In Cambodia, there are two seasons, basically. Hot season, very hot season. <laughs> or dry season, dry hot season, or rainy hot season. Uh, and some of you who live outside of Cambo- uh, California, you know what it's like you know, to have four seasons. So there are many different seasons. And the question is, how do you respond to these different seasons? You know, sometimes when you come to California, I felt, oh, California should be like all, all the time. It's kind of warm, but it's not the case, right? So I had to just pull out this jacket, which I never wear in Cambodia. But it was like, oh, it's quite chilly here last week at least. So how do you respond to the seasons in this world? But more importantly, how do you respond to the seasons of your life? There are different seasons of your life that I want to talk about more. In our journey following Christ, we encounter different sets of defining events and experiences, quite distinct and even contrary. At times in our life, there is a season of praise and joy, but at at times, we go through a season of lament, sorrow. There's a season, things are clear, but there are certain seasons we feel confused. So what season are you in now? More importantly, how do you respond to the season that you are in right now? Jesus Christ has also gone through the seasons of life. And today's passage shows us how Jesus went through 
a series of dramatic events in the beginning part of his public ministry. So today's passages start, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth to Galilee, uh, to the Jordan River to be baptized by John the Baptist. We were told there are many people gathered. So just picture Jordan River. Hundreds, if not thousands, people gathered to be baptized by John the Baptist, and Jesus was one of them. It was quite, you know, wherever there's a crowd, there's quite a you know, fanfare and then excitement. And then Jesus was baptized. And when he was baptized, we were told the heavens were open. And then the Holy Spirit was descending on him like the dove. And the voice of Father, this is my son whom I'm pleased. So it's a quite exciting scene. It's a multi-sensory, right? There is picture, there is a voice, and there is a water splashing, and the crowds watching this event. It was a quite an exciting beginning in many ways. You and I also have exciting beginnings in our life. For example, you want to see an exciting beginning? All you need to do is to attend wedding. Exciting beginning of couple. Or it can be not quite exciting, but usually exciting. Delivery room at a hospital where babies are born. And the church setting, the baptism of new believers. And first day of your new job, perhaps. However, our life is not always a celebration at the river, is it? After the river season, there comes the desert season. Quite dramatic in times. So here, Jesus was at that Jordan River, exciting beginning. That was the beginning of his public ministry, marked by baptism, and the Holy Spirit came upon him. But the Bible says, immediately the Spirit led Jesus into Wilderness. What is like to be in the wilderness or desert? It's quite contrary to the baptism scene at the Jordan. In wilderness, there is no excitement, but loneliness. No flowing, splashing water, but dry, parched land. No sound of music, but dead silence. Thirsty, hungry. And we are told Jesus was being tempted by Satan. Mark is not telling us how Jesus was tempted, but in the same passage in Matthew, we are told Jesus was tempted by Satan in three different ways, three different areas. The areas of immediate need, power, and recognition. So wilderness represents a situation we are hungry and thirsty for Immediate needs. And no power is given. You feel powerless. Of course, there is no one to recognize you. So you are very alone and lonely. So Satan's temptation was to, to, to 
force Jesus to give up his call. Forget the call. You have nothing, nobody, and no power. What's the point? Just give up. But the, the, the word that tempted can also mean tested. When we are tempted, we are tempted to fall into something sinful or something that will lead us to destruction. But when we are tested, it is for training purpose at times, and often it is a preparation for the next step. So when we are tempted or tested, we, we may not be able to discern, am I tempted to fall into sin, or is this testing me or refining me to go to the next level? So at times, we find ourselves in the desert season as well. It may look different to each one of us, but in general, it is spiritually challenging, dry, or at times materially scarce. Sometimes maybe job-related, relationship-related, or it could be physically exhausted or emotionally drained. It's a feeling lost and isolated. At times, we are at once spiritually high, but then next moment we find ourselves place of disappointment. One point we felt very intimate with God, but then we are in the place of his absence. So we become discouraged and we are tempted to give up. I remember one of our um, English ministry members who graduated university here in Southern California and came to Northern California where uh, he came from. He tried to find job for longest time, but one after another, he got rejected. So I remember that he felt so downtrodden and rejected. But praise God, he did not keep up. He came to the service and our prayer meeting. I remember clearly we earnestly wait on the Lord, going through this the desert time. But Lord, we don't understand what we are experiencing, but we trust that you are with us. So many people after especially college, especially those who are involved in a campus ministries. So it was very much of the exciting time. You know, there are a lot of people like your age and it's, you know, the, 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 the Bible study and the, uh, the dormitory meetings and the campus ministry. But after co- finishing college, becoming a um, professional or post-college is much more challenging. And now Cambodian leaders that I work with in their 30s, they're facing tremendous pressures and temptation as well. Cambodia is unique in a sense that there are a lot of young people, way more than other countries, because there was a genocide in 70s, 80s. So almost one quarter of population were wiped out especially the leaders and the educated people. 
So he left a big vacuum in society where they're now supposed to be in their 50s and 60s to lead the, the organization and institute. They are gone. So now these young leaders in their 30s, by no, uh, without choice, they have to step up. But they have no role model because their parent generations are gone. So just to give you an idea, Cambodia, the median age of population is 24.5 compared to 38 in U.S. So there are a lot of young people in Cambodia if you come. I'm considered to be old man, believe it or not. But these leaders in their 30s, imagine, they don't have a lot of education, and they just had a just family with a young, uh, young children, and tremendous pressure from their work and ministry, but they don't have a role model. So many of them are easily burned out. But there is a strong sense of calling. In this 95%, the the animistic Buddhism, uh, the people confess, these are like less than 2%. There is a tremendous persecution for your faith. So to become Christian means really inviting the persecution. So there is a strong sense of question, uh, calling, no, no question about it. So there is an exciting beginning. They start this faith journey with excitement. New, new life in Christ. But then, of course, there is a long Life of the desert, persecution and pressure and temptation. So a lot of my work involves encouraging them to walk alongside them and giving them training and resources and mentoring them so that the calling that God has given, given to them will bear fruit. Maybe some of you have been going through a much more serious and longer period of the desert season in the past or present. Your patience and faith are being tested. You know, the Old Testament background of this story was Exodus, you know, where the Israelites from Egypt, so they crossed the Red Sea, those of you who know the story, there's an exciting beginning. You know, the Red Sea was open, and they went through. But then followed by 40 years of desert. They were tempted, and they were tested. Did they succeed? We were told they failed. They failed to persevere. They committed idolatry, and they tested God. So according to 1 Corinthians 10, we are told they all die in the desert. And their examples are for us as a warnings. So how should we go through our desert season then? Trust me, if you are following Christ, there is no shortcut. We have to go through this desert season. So let's consider Jesus' example. So we are told it was the Spirit who led Jesus into the desert. It was not accident or meaningless. So Jesus was fully aware of the divine purpose of his life and ministry, even the desert season, which was by no means exciting or pleasant. But he trusted there was a meaning in that divine purpose. So he was obedient and persevering the trial. 
because he was certain of the Father's plan and purpose for him. And then also he was confident in God's protection and provision when he was in that season in the desert. He was alone in the desert for 40 days, which signified completeness. 40, number 40. He was accompanied by the wild animals and attended by angels. This was hard for me to understand. What What is Mark trying to tell us? He was accompanied by wild animals. On one hand, wild animals can be very threatening. Or it could be meaning company. So it was God's provision. Either case, he was attended by angel. Meaning he was protected and he was attended. He was not alone in that sense. God was providing and protecting Christ. You know, for missionary life, I don't know how much you know some other missionaries, how they live. They vary. There are some missionaries, yes, they're truly in the, the, pioneer, the frontier. So I had some taste of it when we were living in Nigeria, especially. We were in the far, far away from the city. And there was no electricity and no, no, uh, no phone. So we, we taste a little bit of what is to be cut off from the civilization. So we are the, 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 the tail end of the, what old kind of missionary way of life. Compared to that, now living in the capital city in, in Phnom Penh, although compared to, of course, U.S., you know, we have a lot of power cuts and the, the traffic and the heat and all that kind of stuff. But my wife and I always compare like, oh, this is much better than Nigeria. Um, so, but more than physical challenge, exhaustion, the missionary life, wherever missionaries are, whoever wants to live missionary life, even here in North America, you experience loneliness. You experience emotional and spiritual struggles. And often, oftentimes it could be relational, even family issues. I just want to make a note. When we're talking about being certain and confident in trials and hardship, it does not mean that when evil things happen to us, that we need to believe in God's plan. No, many bits and pieces of our trials and hardships are not good in themselves. We cannot say these evil things that are happening to me, happening to him or her, oh, it's part of God's plan. We cannot say that. God did not plan or intend to inflict us with those sad and painful events. However, God's plan and his purpose is good and overarching redeeming and including all of our experiences. That's what it, what it means by when the Bible said, all things work together for the good of those. All things include those evil things and bad things. So it's the fundamental faith in God's goodness beyond 
doubt and understanding that is needed as we go through trials and hardships. That our fundamental faith in God's goodness that Jesus had as he went through his own trial. As a result, the Bible says, he came out and then he went back to the Galilee after John was put into prison. Why it was said that? When John was put into prison, that means there is a persecution. But Jesus was courageous, starting proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. So when the wilderness test is done, it is followed by clear understanding and following God's call, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom in spite of challenges and intimidations. Nothing could stop Jesus who was filled with the Spirit and focus on God's purpose. So here Jesus has set an example to follow, right? It is a pattern of discipleship. There's a glorious beginning of calling, followed by tough and trying time of training. And if we pass that long, at times, trying period of desert, the test, eventually, There's fruitful ministry engagement. So every seasoned disciple has gone through that course. So you and I should expect and embrace this process. If serious about following Christ and living our life as mission focus, not just my need focus. More, less less of me, but more of Christ. But let's remember this. Israel in the desert, they fail. But Jesus fulfilled what, Jesus, uh, what Israel failed. Israel disobeyed and went astray, but Jesus completely obeyed and persevered. So what does our, you and I, our experience tell us? Who are we like, more like? Are we more like Jesus or are we more like Israel? Mine tells me I tend to be more like Israel. Meaning, on my own, I will likely fail to persevere and deviate from the course. It's too much. So chances are, as I go through the difficult seasons of life and faith. So my message is not about, yeah, Jesus set the example. Just be like him. But because we are more like Israel, we, we will not be like Christ. We will be more like Israel. So what is that message? What do we need to do? We must, here's a message. We must focus on Christ, staying connected with him. So we should not focus on the desert or difficulties or challenges. And then how am I going to go through then we're going to fail. But if we focus on Christ and just stay connected with him, as he said, 
remain in me, apart from me, you cannot do anything. We can, we can do a lot of things, but we cannot do the things that God had planned for us. And we tend to compare with others as we go through this desert season and find either comfort or complacent. Just to give you an example, a while ago, I um, took an aerobic class with my wife. Probably uh, the first time, uh, probably the last time. Um, I vividly remember this was already like four, 15 years ago when I was in North uh, California. I, it was a local uh, YMCA, so we joined. I signed up, follow her, and it was a small room, about 20 ladies and one old man. <laughs> and I was just like at the back, a little bit awkward, first time. And then, you know, they're, start, they're already there, like starting to move their bodies with this fast music. I was just like trying to follow. You could imagine like very awkward, right? Very self-conscious about my movement and just like look at others like, it's like, oh, why did I do this, right? But okay, this is 40 minutes torture, <laughs> but I have to do it, right? I just want to do it. But then soon I found the, the, the secret. The secret was simple. Just focus on the Arabic instructor. Don't look other people and don't even think about how I move. Just focus on that instructor and just basically just get lost in, in that. You know, just, just look at that person and just, you don't even have to think about it. You don't even have to just let it go. I don't know how I looked, but at least I felt much at peace. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. But, but I didn't go back still. <laughs> but that's the secret for our faith journey. That's why I'm talking about this. Especially going through a tough season. Because we become very self-conscious. And we tend to compare with other people. But Hebrews chapter 12, right, says... Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful man, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Consider is a present, ongoing tense, not just once. Continue. Continue to fix our eyes on him. Consider him. In our church calendar, we are going through this Lent season now. So we'll celebrate Easter in two weeks. And this is a good time to reflect our faith and renew our commitment. To be com continue to be formed. Because it is God who is forming us, who calls us leading us to these desert seasons in our life so that we could be conformed to the image of Christ, so that we can come out like Christ. It's not like we try to be like Jesus, but we'll come out like Christ. You know, I talked about you know, how I resemble Pastor Ken. But I think the result will be this. If we go through this process, and come out as a seasoned disciple. People may think or even may say something like this. 
you know, I heard about this Jesus. I don't know how he looked or how he lived. But when I look at you, maybe Jesus may be like you. In terms of character, in terms of faith, in terms of the way of life, the purpose, direction. So with our eyes of faith fixing on Jesus, so we receive new strength and peace, even in the midst of trials and hardships. So how this looks like in real life varies. No set answer what to do in trying situations. But what's crucial is ultimately who or what do we trust and follow. So each each one of us fully aware of our inabilities and shortcomings on our own, and yet increasingly trusting Jesus, holding on to him, confessing from the heart, Lord, without you, I'm doomed to fail. But with you, everything is possible. So less of me, more of Jesus, because we belong to him in life and in death. So that's the picture of seasoned discipleship. Then our mission will flow out with confidence and courage and bear much fruit. You may expect me as a missionary to say much more about like what I do and mission work. But you know what? Mission is not primarily about doing stuff. But it's more about Becoming a seasoned disciple who would naturally live mission life. So it is our call to follow Christ, not only to the river, but to the desert. But then we'll come out like him and fulfill God's glorious purpose, you and me, and all together as his body. Let us pray. So I'll give you just a minute or two just to think about spiritually, what season am I in? What is God doing in my life? Have I really paused and reflect? How am I responding to the season that I am in? Pray to him, Lord, I need you. I need you every hour, every season. No matter what season I am, I need you. Lord, I need you when things are going well because I tend to just go astray. Of course, I need you when things are tough. Because on my own, I will not make it. I may live, but I cannot fulfill your call. Lord, I want to join you in mission life. But only way that I can do, whatever call may be, is to stay connected with you. Like you, Lord, confident in your plan and purpose for me, even though when things don't seem 
making sense, and trusting in your provision and protection, not looking for those things elsewhere, and the courage and peace that come from you. God, considering different seasons of our life and faith, we thank you not only for good times and peaceful times, but also for difficult times and trying times. They shape us and mold us into whom you want us to be. We praise you, Lord Jesus, for your faithfulness, not giving up, persevering, and staying on the course for our salvation. And thank you that you don't give up on us and still love us in spite of our shortcomings and failures. So we confess that you are our comfort and strength. So we look to you in every turn and season of our life. So lead us and strengthen us, especially in our time of trials. Some of us may well be going through such a time now. So draw us near to you, assuring us there is no other comfort and assurance like yourself, Lord. May we hold fast unto your promise of protection and provision in times of trouble. At the end, we may come out refined and more ready to fulfill your calling for the gospel and your kingdom here and everywhere. For the glory of the Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.